This morning's scripture reading will be from Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 47. Acts 2, 44 through 47. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple, together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You may be seated. No, we uh, we usually do this thing at the end of a of a lesson, but I want to start this morning by asking Gabe, would you please stand? And if you are thankful to have a new brother in Christ, would you please say Amen? Amen. amen. Welcome to God's family. Uh, some of you may have seen the the video of his baptism. We're so grateful to have his mom and dad and the rest of his family here. They uh, they identified with us uh, last year to watch a father, Ezra. Uh, walked down into the baptistry with his son Gabe and uh, took his confession and, uh, and baptized him. Mom, you played a role uh, because right before he went under, she said, uh, do you want me to take your glasses? Which I thought was a good idea. Uh, but I, I, wanted him, I wanted him to stand, first of all, because I, I'm so proud of, of Gabe for studying God's Word. And even though he's a young man, he did that very serious minded young man. He, he entered into that study with an open mind and an open heart. And when he, when he saw what, not only what God has done for all of us, but what God wants us to do in a very humble and a very sincere way, he responded. And I think that's a good example. And some, some here this morning may need to follow that example. Uh, as we ask what I think is a very challenging question, is church membership essential to salvation, you know, sometimes I'll hear people talk about uh, a, a person in their family, a relationship they have with somebody. Maybe it's a a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a spouse, somebody that they work with. Is is that person, a, a you know, a member of the church? So, now, listen, they're they're not a member of the church, but but they are some of the finest Christians I've ever met. And I just want to ask you, where do we get that idea? That, that somehow God has children outside of His family. That He has citizens that, that are outside of His kingdom. Where did that idea come from? And, and here's what I, I want to just want to say this at the outset. As we look at that question, it doesn't matter what I think. I, I was reading, I was reading, I've been reading this book, How We Got the Bible, and it's such an interesting you know, that whole book has been interesting, but he's gotten into the last chapter where he's talking about translating the Bible from the Hebrew and from the Greek and the Aramaic. And, and when they, when they finally got some very reliable English translations, the people came to church and the preachers started getting upset because they didn't want to hear their sermons anymore. They just wanted to hear the Bible, just read the Bible in our language. So that we can hear it for ourselves. And the preachers were starting to get upset about that. I want to tell you this morning. I want you to listen to the Bible. As we answer this question or any other question that is so vital to our personal salvation. It doesn't matter what other people have said. 
The, the thing that matters is what does God say in His Word? And so as we consider that this morning, we want to make three observations. The first one, and I think everybody will understand and agree, salvation is in Christ. We, we know that He saves. We know that Jesus saves. We sing songs about that. How Jesus saves. Hebrews 5 and verse 9 says that He's the source of eternal salvation for all who obey Him. Uh, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 tells us He's able to save completely those who come to God through Him. That, that trans, some translation, able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through Him. The question that we're talking about though is not if the Lord saves, but where He saves. Where does Jesus save? In the church or out of it? The New Testament tells us First and foremost, salvation is in Christ. All all of these verses, every verse I'm going to read this morning is on your outline. I hope not only that you'll follow along this morning in your Bible, but that you'll go home and and just check it out. Read and and read it over again. Review it. Make, Make sure the things that are said are the Word of God and not just the opinions of men. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10, the Apostle Paul says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Where is salvation? It is in Christ Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Peter says about Christ, salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. If you want to be saved, you're not going to be saved anywhere else. Salvation is in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Jesus himself in John 14 and verse 6 said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Salvation is exclusively in Jesus. Now, one of the verses that I like to use when I'm, when I'm sharing my faith with other people, I want them to understand that, that Jesus is unique and, and, and different and, and that every, every hope that we have is, is anchored to Him. It's tied to Him. Ephesians 1 and verse 3 says this, and it's a great passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with, notice, every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every blessing that, that God has ever poured out of, out of the heavens. We, we can enjoy all of them, but they're only available in one place. Jesus is the sole source provider. That means you, you can't get these blessings anywhere else. You've got to get them from Jesus. You've got to be in Christ. Now, what I want to do as you think about that is I just want to run through a series of passages that highlight that, that all of these blessings are in Christ. And so, 2 Timothy 2 and verse 1 says, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We know that we're not saved by works. We're, we're not going to work our way to heaven. The only way anybody has ever been saved is by the grace of God. But that grace can only be found one place. If you're going to be saved by the grace of God, you're going to have to get that grace where, where it's available. And it's only available in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, another wonderful passage. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. I mean, what a great thought to be able to start over again. And the old is gone and the new has come. This this fresh start, a new beginning in Christ, a clean slate. All all the different ways that you may want to say that. but, But this opportunity to be a new creation, a brand new person, to start fresh. God makes that possible. And he says it can happen. 
doesn't matter how bad that old life was. You can have a new life. You can start over again, but only in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 20, all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Beautiful relationship words. Sometimes in our relationships, we say something or do something that, that damages the relationship and it separates us from a person that we love. That's what sin does in our relationship with God, but God wanted us back. And so He reconciled us to Himself through the death of His Son. Where's that reconciliation found? He's reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. And in Christ, He's not counting men's sins against them any longer. Romans 8, 1 and 2, just this great passage that that follows the end of chapter 7 where where Paul says, what a wretched man am I, who will rescue me from this body of death? And then in exaltation he cries out, praise be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Notice that the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. The sin and death that law of sin and death is simple. You sin, you die. But, but, but now we've been set free from that. We've got the law of the Spirit of life in Christ. How does that work? Now there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing. These are a few, but every spiritual blessing is in Christ. Salvation and redemption, forgiveness, grace... We're made new in Christ. Reconciliation is in Christ. There's no condemnation in Christ. 1 John 5, verses 11 and 12. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. And this life, this eternal life that He's given us, is it's in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who, has, who, who does not have the, the, uh, the Son of God does not have life does not have life. A person can't have eternal life and at the same time be outside of the realm where that life has been made available. Since every spiritual blessing is in Christ, that means that you have to be in Christ to be saved, to be forgiven, redeemed, reconciled. You have to be in Christ to enjoy grace and life and justification from past sin. Some of you might be thinking, Tim, what... What does this have to do with salvation in the church? What does it have to do with our question about salvation in church membership? Listen, I think sometimes we need to be very clear when we talk about the church that we're not saying that the church is what saves you. Jesus saves. God working through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus is what saves. The church is the saved. But but I want to start here for this reason. And it leads us really to the second observation. What we're saying without apology, and, and, and as clearly as we can, salvation is in Christ. Period. But what puts a man in Christ is the very same thing that puts him in the church. The, the, the thing that puts a man in Christ where salvation can be received and enjoyed is the very same thing that puts him into the church that belongs to Jesus. If every spiritual blessing is in Christ, and I think 
we've established from Ephesians 1 and verse 3 that, that all of those blessings are reserved in Christ Jesus. Well then, people who are lost and separated from God, they need to know, how do I get into Christ? If everything I need to, to be in a saved relationship with God is in His Son, how do I get into Christ? And there have been all kinds of opinions and theories and popular concepts about what puts a man uh, into Christ. But when we're talking about something as important as man's salvation, my, my own salvation, opinions and, and theories and popular concepts, are, they're, they're just not sufficient. Remember Acts 17 and verse 11 where Paul said... or. Uh, the, the Bible, and it's in, it's in Luke, Luke is writing by inspiration, but the Bereans are considered as having more noble character than the Thessalonians because they received the Scripture with great eagerness, but then they studied to make sure that the things that were said were true. There's an obligation on the speaker, on the teacher, to, to study and preach and teach the truth. There's an obligation for the listener. As you listen, to not just believe everything that you hear, but to open your Bible and, and make sure that the things that are taught and, and, and shared, that those things can be validated by the Word of God. And so, sometimes when we ask an important question, what, what do I need to do to be saved? We need to make sure that the answer that's given is an answer that comes from God and not just from men. We need to look to the Word of God, and when we do that, we're not going to be disappointed. We're going to find a reliable answer to the questions we have. Two, two of the verses that, that I think are really important when we say, well, how does a person get into Christ? Romans chapter 6, in verse 3, he says, don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ we're baptized into his death. Now, in fairness, he's, he's going to say we're baptized into his death. We're buried with him. We're raised with him. But notice, we're baptized. How does a person get into Christ? He's talking to people. He's not talking to folks that need to do it. He's talking to folks who have already done this, and he's reminding them what they did. And, and he says, don't you know this? Don't you remember that all of us who were baptized were baptized into Christ? Very similar passage in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All of, uh, all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. And so we have two very clear statements uh, about how a person gets in Christ. And what we've said is if salvation is in Christ, that's where I want to be. That's where I need to be. It's where you should want to be. And the Bible very clearly specifies that Paul and the Christians in Rome, the Christians in the city of Galatia, all of the other Christians that we read about in the New Testament got into Christ by being baptized into Him. What does that have to do with salvation in the church? The things that put a man in Christ, faith, confession, repentance, and baptism, are the very same things that put him in the church. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13 uh, makes this statement. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We're all given one spirit to drink. When a person 
is baptized biblically. Romans chapter 6 and verse 3, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13. Those verses tell us that when a person is baptized biblically, they are simultaneously baptized into Christ. And they're being baptized by one spirit into the one body. And that one body is the church. It's not two different baptisms. It's one baptism that puts one in Christ and in His church. And that leads then to our third observation this morning. To be in Christ is to be in the church. You can't be in one without being in the other. If we open the pages of the New Testament and begin reading what you know, the first verse in Matthew, keep reading, and we come to the last verse in Revelation, we're not going to find one single example of a person who is in Christ. Here's this guy, he's in Christ, but he's not in the church. You're not going to find an example like that anywhere in the New Testament. And the reason for that is because it's not possible. You can't be in Christ and out of the church any more than you can be in the church and out of Christ. To be in Christ is... To be in his church. And what does the Bible say about that? In Acts chapter 2 verses 40 and 41. The word of God says with many other words. He warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Well in verse 47 it says praising God. And and, uh, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church. Now. Uh, not not every translation uses that word. Some some will just say added to their number. King James Version definitely includes added to the church daily, such as should be saved. And that's Acts chapter 2 in verse 47. We're told here about a group of people who heard a sermon about Jesus. They accepted the message. that They believed what they heard. About 3,000 of them were baptized. And then we're told that they were added to something. We're told that saved people were added to a number that that is described as the church, and we're told that God is the one who did the adding. This verse teaches not only that the Lord saved these people, but that He also added them to His church in the same process. They, They weren't first saved and then added or added and then later saved. They were added in being saved and saved in, in being added, there are no saved people outside of the church of the New Testament because the Lord adds all those who are being saved to His church. Some, some may not understand that. I want to say it again. There are no saved people outside of the church that you read about in the New Testament because God was adding and is adding saved people to the church. Ephesians 5 and verse 23 says it this way, The husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. I think I've said this in previous sermons, that the church does not save. I've tried to make that point already this morning. The church does not save. The church is the saved. And... When you, when you reach a conclusion that somehow this person is saved, but they're not a member of God's church. And I'm not saying this to insult people. I'm just saying you, you, you simply don't understand the foundational teaching of the New Testament if you can reach that conclusion. 
when people understand the biblical definition of the church, they'll understand the necessity of being a member of it. Listen, when we talk about the church of Christ, the church of Christ is the saved. All of the saved. All all who have ever been saved. None but the saved. It's the entire body of redeemed people. And Christ is not only the head of the body, He's he's the Savior of it. How do we apply what we've learned about the original question? Is is church membership essential to salvation? Based on what we've talked about from the Bible this morning, the only answer I can give to that is yes. Yes. Being a member of God's church is essential to salvation because there are no Christians outside of the church. Just as there are no Christians outside of Christ. And what we've studied from God's Word this morning is that the very same thing that puts a man in Christ is what puts him in the church that belongs to Christ. When we say there are no Christians outside of the church, We're saying that because we understand that the church is the body of saved people. And and God adds every saved person to that body. He's not going to miss any. It's not like, you know, we could could put together a directory for the, the folks who worship at North MacArthur and we might overlook somebody. I don't think we have. But that could happen. But God's not going to make that mistake. It's it's not like God's going to miss somebody who was saved and fail to add them. When they're saved, He adds them to the church. There are no people outside that body of saved people. No, No Christians outside that body of saved people. What does all that mean? It means that all of us here this morning are in one of two positions. We are either saved in the church... Or we are lost in the world. We're either in Christ. Or we're not in Christ. The truth this morning is that any person who has not been baptized is still outside of Christ. When we studied last week, Gabe and his brother Stephen came to the building. And we we drew a, a big circle on the back of a you know, piece of paper that we were using in our study. And we went through all of these verses we looked at this morning that tell us salvation is in Christ and grace is in Christ and reconciliation is in Christ. Redemption is in Christ. There's no, you know, condemnation for those who are in Christ. Uh, you're a new creation. We put all of those in the circle. And then we drew an X outside of the circle. Now, if you're, if you're that X on the outside of the circle, how do you get in? I don't want to be on the outside looking in on all these wonderful things that God has poured out from the heavenly places to bless our lives. And when we understand everything that we read this morning, we understand people are baptized into Christ. They're baptized by the one Spirit into the one body. Only when one enters into Christ by baptism, a baptism that is preceded by faith and repentance and and the good confession. I mean, Gabe just stood in this baptistry last week and his his father asked him to make the good confession. I I remember when I baptized 
Uh, my oldest daughter, Macy, and, and our nephew, Rhett, was standing down here somewhere because the family came to, to encourage her. And I asked Macy, who is Jesus Christ? And Rhett couldn't believe I didn't know the answer to that. You can hear his voice in the background. It kind of disgusted. Jesus Christ, Uncle Tim? Like, how do you not know that? Listen, all of these things that lead up to your faith, your repentance, your confession, and then immersion into Christ, being added to the church. Where do you find yourself this morning? Are you saved in Christ and in the church? Are you lost in the world? I was in my car. I was driving out to the Mitch Park YMCA. And uh, I was going to work out. My phone rang. When I saw Jeremy Roberts' name on the, on the caller ID, I was so happy. Because I knew that he was calling to tell me. We had just studied that, that morning with, with, uh, with Gabe and, and with Steve. And I was so happy. I, I really needed to work out. <laughs> Try not to stand sideways. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't mind turning my car around. I was really excited because I knew that this young man that we've been studying with was going to surrender his life to Christ. We sing, Oh, Happy Day. I know that's an old song, but I'm going to tell you that that is so appropriate. What a, what a happy day. This could be a happy day for some of the people who have assembled to worship with us this morning. This could be the day that you make the good confession, that you believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That this could be the day that you turn away from sin and, and you are baptized into Christ. Baptized by the one Spirit into the one body. And you come up out of that water a brand new person. In Christ. In the church, a recipient of every spiritual blessing. Why not make this the happiest day of your life by doing that this morning as we stand and sing?